Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Well, good morning. It's, uh, we're going to knock this uh, God on film out this morning. Uh, my name is Jason, and if I hadn't had a chance to meet you, uh, this screen is broken. So if you're over here, you're in good shape. If you guys over here, you got to look around the pole or stretch your neck out. It's one of those things. So you can move. Feel free to move. Uh, before we even get started, I just want to take a little bit of time here this morning uh, just to, to illustrate uh, hope over here one. Uh, it's coming. And if you don't know much about hope over here one yet, uh, it's, it's a... It's a it's a movement of, of local leaders, pastors, uh, community volunteers, churches, uh, just to be able to say, you know what, enough's enough. And we do have a problem of, of drug use in this area. I think most communities would agree that, that they have a problem. It's just what, they don't know what to do. And so uh, a couple pastors got together and brainstormed this about a year ago almost and just felt really convicted about six months ago. And so we've been now traveling down this road for quite some time. And, and if you don't know much about it, I would just encourage you to just to come ask or get on the Facebook page, Hope Over Heroin, Danville, and just see some of the events that's going to be taking place. Uh, it's going to be happening in two weeks. Uh, we're going to need some support. Some support comes from these shirts. These shirts are $10 a piece, uh, and this is how we fund it. There's some more shorts back shirt, shorts. There's shirts back there on the back. We don't have any shorts. If you're looking for shorts, that's was, that was my bad. I can maybe get you some underwear. I don't know. You know, it's, it's, there's some posters. Uh, we have plenty of posters. You guys can t- go t- hang these posters up where you work, play, live. Maybe even a reminder in your, 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 you know, on the refrigerator. It's, it's up to you if you need that type of poster. But there's, there's also prayer things. There's prayer guides. And, and there's some on Facebook that you could definitely just take a minute. And just start to look at it. And, and, and it's really powerful because the community has been doing it uh, as well. And the last thing I want to mention is as we start to really gear up, you'll hear a lot more about this next week. Someone will spend a little bit more time on this. But I just want you to be aware that, that hope over heroin is definitely, um, it's here. And, and, and here we are in the two-week journey because next Thursday, not this Thursday, next Thursday, uh, we're going to be going live with, it, with a, a lighting, uh, those Chinese lanterns. You know, you float them away. We're going to do that at about 8.30 in Millennial Park on a Thursday night. And so we're going to need you there. Uh, we're going to need you there to help create a movement uh, of saying enough's enough. So anybody wear a medium-sized shirt that doesn't have a shirt right now? Anybody want to volunteer? You? All right, there you go. So see, it's just that simple. I bought you a shirt this morning. Good job. Um, uh, it pays to come to church. I'm just telling you, folks, it pays to come to church. So, um, it, you know, we're being, trying to finish out this God on, you know, God on film. And where Jesus is the center of everything that we do. And in saying that, you know, the question remains, is he at the center of it? You know, we got some great films. We, like Cody said this morning, uh, we, we started off with, with, uh, with a couple ideas, provision, uh, just what's next, and some other opportunities that, you know, are you faithful? Uh, and there's all kinds of films that depict these things. And, and yeah, we did stick... Stacy with the old movies, and he's just, you know, it is, you know, just what it is. He's old. And so, you know, we just, uh, ace is an ace, uh, but we love him. And, and, but today, we're going to talk about the, you know, the end. And cinemas and movie makers are obsessed with the end of times, are they not? I mean, if you could put out just one movie and you want to be, you know, successful, you better have, you know, a couple, you know, key actors, not uh, Hasselhoff, Cody. But, you know, you, you, got, you got to have some really powerful actors. And it doesn't matter what the plot is. As long as it's talking about the end of times, people, especially church people, will come watch this movie. 
Because we're all wondering what's next, right? We're all wondering what's next. And here's the truth. If we start to start, you know, start to really just think about it for a minute, you probably right now have a couple of movies in the back of your brain that you, you have either seen, you know really well, or, you, you know, especially about the end of times, or something that's creating, you know, that, that environment of the end of times. So you with me so far? How about if I start going down this, this, this movie that happened about maybe, I don't know, seven years ago? Uh, it, was, it was an epidemic that took over uh, New York City. And it involved one of my favorite characters or actors in life. His name is Will Smith. Yeah, yeah, he's got big ears. Look at me. You know, it's just like, it's, but he is an amazing I am legend, you know? He lost his whole family and he made it a point to try to figure this thing out. He went down the road of sacrificing everything because he was trying to save what? The world. And he did. I mean, they started over with a little small colony of some people who survived. But if you know the story, he didn't. And so there's, there's other movies out there. Now this one's, you know, this is, you know, I watched this one. And I was, like, I was like, man, this is stupid. But at the same time, there's only two words that are in it. And one of them is Eva. You know, it's Wally. I mean, he just walks around and saving the planet, you know, and just puts the little trash compactor, he puts it inside of itself, and then he stacks it, and it just goes to the next thing. And he's, he's trying to, what? Redo the environment that we messed up. He, his whole task for this whole planet is to redo the environment. And, and he does a really good job of it because he's just cleaning up our mess. Now, I didn't care for the next movie, but it's one of those movies that it does get your attention. Uh, and his name is Brad, Brad Pitt, and, you know, he, he was one of those zombie apocalypse type of movies that, that it just really grabs your attention. You're like, really? Does this stuff exist? Does people really dream up this stuff? And, and you know, honestly, hey, what's next? Like we said earlier, the, the, the people who make up these things, they're wanting to know what's next as well. And, and their mind just goes crazy, right? You've probably seen this movie, and it actually is not a bad movie. There's a couple lines in here that are very powerful. But the truth is, so is our Bible. And we sort of seek out movies more than we do the truth. And so for us this morning, I just want to gather our attention as we sort of focus around one other idea, one other movie that's called The End of the World. The Global Killer. Maybe you've watched this movie in 1998. And I did. I went to the movies back then. They did have movies, uh, you know, in cinemas. And it was a really powerful movie. But I remember Bruce Willis. And he, you know, I was just like, whoa, this is awesome. And there was a couple other actors there. Uh, ben Affleck and a couple other famous actors that are, you know, in this movie, they wasn't so famous. But at the same time, it had an awesome plot. An awesome plot that just sort of brings to light, hey, if you think the world revolves around you, you're mistaken. If you think you can sort of dictate what's going to happen next, you're mistaken. But they try their best with the intelligence they have to try to protect, to try to live, and try to save the world. Here's a small portion from that movie. He's shaking his head no. 
in that movie, the depiction. I address you tonight, not as the president of the United States, not as the leader of a country, but as a citizen of humanity. We are faced with the very gravest of challenges. The Bible calls this day Armageddon, the end of all things. And yet, for the first time in the history of the planet, a species has the technology to prevent its own extinction. All of you praying with us need to know that everything that can be done to prevent this disaster is being called into service. The human thirst for excellence and knowledge, every step up the ladder of science, every adventurous reach into space, all of our combined modern technologies and imaginations even the wars that we fought have provided us the tools to wage this terrible battle. Through all the chaos that is our history, through all of the wrongs and the discord, through all of the pain and suffering, through all of our times, there is one thing that has nourished our souls and elevated our species above its origins, and that is our courage. Dreams of an entire planet are focused tonight on those 14 brave souls traveling into the heavens. That man's not a salesman. That's your daddy. And may we all, citizens the world over, see these events through. Godspeed and good luck to you. Feeling? Uh, good, you know. I mean, considering I've never been this scared in my entire life, you know. Listen, once you get up there, you'll be on your own. Anything should happen. I know, Harry. I'll uh, try not to disappoint you. Okay, stop, kid. If you want to watch the rest of the movie, go home and rent it. But it's a great flick here to open up what we're talking about. Did you notice something in, the, in that little flick where you saw world religions raising their hands because they didn't know what to do? I mean, I saw people from India, you know, doing this. I saw people from, middle, you know, Middle East bowing down. I saw people from, you know, European area just gathering around what they do best, which is family. And I saw good old Americans gather around a church, a Bible, and family. You see, we're all wondering what is next. 
And the truth of the matter is, everybody has an opinion. You can read Revelation and you can try to try to interpret it. And sometimes, you know, honestly, it's one of the most difficult things to try to fathom. So you just, you go with the flow. And here's a great movie that, you know, illustrates the importance of the truth. And here it is. If we could sum up today, if we could just put it in a phrase, it's this. In the end, Jesus wins. In the end, Jesus wins. It's because his truth, his words, everything that he has put into motion in this book called Revelations is so accurate. It's not even funny compared to other religions, other books, other history things. People trying to look at asteroids coming this way. And maybe you got a nuke that you just want to go up there and blow up that asteroid. I'm sorry. When the day comes, you're not going to get away from it. When the day and time comes for this thing to end, Jesus wins. The question is, are you in the ending credits? Now then, the Bible. Here's the cool part. The Bible is relevant for today, as it was just back a long time ago. The Bible is still relevant for today. In fact, it's better than tomorrow's news. A lot of us look for news to try to figure out what's next. But the truth of the matter is the Bible is still relevant for today. In fact, it's better than tomorrow's news. And for a lot of us, we, we trust that reporter. We, we trust CNN or we trust other, other things, other, other preachers, pastors. And let's just be honest, this might be the worst sermon you ever heard. But I hope it does one thing. I hope it encourages you to funnel into this word and pick it up. And I hope and pray that you come back with a Bible that's sort of worn out. Because you just, you're searching. You're starting to seek God in all things. Not just in some things. Because when you start to do that, it changes everything. You see, the Apostle John is the author of the book of Revelation. He wrote it when he was about 92 years old. I want you to hear that. This is the guy that walked with Jesus. He was the beloved one. And he, he was young at that day and time. But here he is at 92 years old. While a prisoner of Rome in the remote desert colony of Patmos. And it's an island in the Aegean Sea. And and there's a couple pictures here that I want to show you of what Patmos looks like. It's a small island chain. It's very small. And there's just a couple pictures. And this is just like the main city. And this, I mean, that's just, that's it. This is where he was, was, was forced to go live out his last days. And it's kind of crazy to begin to think about. But you're going to see here in a second, like where he really spent his last days. Right here in the middle of the sea, you know, this is, you got a sailboat or a big boat, yacht, whatever, there in the middle. You know, this is more of a tourist attraction nowadays. But the truth of the matter, there's a lot of caves on this island. And this is where they forced their prisoners. John the Apostle definitely probably spent time in this right here cell, they believe. And this is where he had the vision and the dream of Revelation. And the cool thing about it is you have the capability of reading it word for word. Whether it be on your cell phone, in your Bible, on the internet, however you want to. But here's some words that have been transcribed for you to start to invest into, to start to believe into, and start to understand what the truth is when it comes to the end. Patmos was a quarry mine for the Roman Empire. It was home to many political and religious, uh, religious leaders and prisoners and slaves at the time. John, the beloved one of the apostles, was, was being held a prisoner by Rome during this day and time on the island for his insistence in preaching the gospel that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. 
Rome believed that, that banishing uh, this old man, this, this old dude named John, to this remote forsaken island of Patmos, that his voice would be quieted. Isn't that hilarious? That his voice would be quieted. John was aged in years. There's some knowledge there too. John was aged in years and close to the end of his life, probably sent to Patmos at the year of 95 by the Roman Emperor uh, Domitian. And who was reportedly angered, angered by the fact that John was not killed. Now check this out. John the Baptist, not John the Baptist, but John the Apostle was, was not killed when he was dipped in boiling oil. He was not killed. This, this Roman emperor was so fed up with John that he was so mad because he tried to kill him once and couldn't kill him. So he sent him to an island, a remote island called Patmos. And so since John was a contemporary of Jesus, John would have been, at the time, well over 90 years old, making him very likely the only apostle, check this out, the only apostle to survive at such an old age. The rest of Jesus' apostles uh, and disciples were martyred decades earlier. It, it, It was as if God supernaturally preserved John to bear the recordance of the revelation. See, John's love for Jesus was so strong that he continued to defy the Roman magistrates, ordered to no longer proclaiming that Jesus was Messiah, the Savior, the Lord of Lords, even while he was a prisoner on Patmos. On Patmos, John was thrown in with violent criminals. Now, I love this. You think you have it tough? He was thrown in at 92 years of age, and there were violent criminals. But he simply won many of those criminals over to the faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, it's just that simple. He walked in. He had scars all over him from being boiled. And he said, listen, why are you in here? He's like, they're trying to shut me up. And the only thing I got to say is, Jesus wins. And they're like, man, who does that? Who goes through that type of torture and it gets banished? I'm going to listen to what he's got to say. He's got a story to tell. And so I'm going to listen. And these violent criminals step forward, you know, and just sort of listen. And just they're sitting there just so eager to learn. And then the next thing you know, they're accepting Christ in a jail cell. Sounds like hope over heroin. To me, it, it really does. We got to invest in some time and some people And we know there's some criminals that are inside jail simply because of a drug addiction. And there's some people that are coming in there that are just literally Christ followers spreading the gospel. And I'm like, man, this story sounds so familiar. Even this week, it just resonated in my heart as we just sort of poured some love into some people who's desperately needing it. He won over many criminals to the faith of Jesus. The book of Revelation was written to give encouragement to give encouragement, encouragement to the hearts of those Christians who were facing troubles in troubled times. The word revelation means unveiling. The word revelation actually means unveiling. Revelation is a book that unveils and reveals the unseen spiritual battle against Satan with which the church is engaged. And if you don't think we're at war, I'm sorry, you're blinded. The central message of Revelation is absolutely clear. And it's practical and it's essential for Christians of every generation. 
In the end, Jesus Christ will be victorious and Jesus wins. At the end of the world, our every enemy of God will be defeated. Human kingdoms will fail. Satan will be cast down. And the greatest enemy, now I love this. The greatest enemy, death itself, will be vanquished forever. Death will be vanquished forever. And here's, the, here's one of those one-liners that just sort of stick out to me. Knowing the end of the story changes how you look at things, doesn't it? Knowing the end of the story changes how we look at things. Let's just look at it this way. Watching a recorded athlete, you know, athletic, like a football game, basketball game, a contest, is always different than watching it live, isn't it? And as an avid sports fan, watching a live game, and it shouts, you know, you're shouting, you're passionately at the television. If my wife walks in front of it, she, she knows what happens. I get frustrated. You know, if my kids are loud, I get, I get, get out of here. And, 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 you know, and if they need something, I'm like, go see your nanny. You know, it's just get out of here. I'm watching my cats play, or I'm watching a game. You see, that's what happens when we watch live TV. But remain subdued when watching an after effect, meaning if it's recorded. And you know some of the events that have already taken place. You see, you're viewing the experience and impacted even more when you accidentally caught the final score, doesn't it? If you caught that final score, and I know some friends in here that, you know, just don't like to know the score of their game. They're just walking around going, la, 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 la. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see my cell phone. I turn the cell phone on. And they're just walking around because they recorded it. But somebody screws up, don't they? We won! Oh, you know, you ain't going to believe it. He shot, he shot that last second play. When you watch that live game, that live game, it's a crucial interception. And the fourth quarter feels like a, a nail in the coffin, right? But you know, uh, but if you know that your, your team wins with a last second field goal, from that interception means nothing, does it? Knowing the end of the story changes everything in the same way as life. Knowing the end of our story affects how we live in the present. Let me say that again. Knowing the end of our story affects how we live in the present. It, it even goes so far to shape our identity. You see, there's some people that really on the streets right now walking down, you know, New York City. You don't see them much here, but they're with big, huge signs. And they're saying what? The end is near. Because they just are so wrapped up in it. They, they forget to really go in and just to remember what Jesus said. You don't know the day or time. You don't. So go make some disciples while you still have time. You see, the fact that God has told us the end of the story impacts how we view ourselves in the present. As Paul Tripp writes, you don't have to figure everything out. You do need to know and trust the one who does understand everything and who knows exactly what he is doing. God will not quit until every bit of his work is complete in each of his children. The beautiful picture in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 8, is already ours. The curse is as sure as lifted. 
The promise is attached in the name of Jesus. When he says it is done, it is the promise we can bank on today. Our identity is changed. We no longer have to to be those who grieve without hope because we have hope. We know the end of the story. We know that the tears will cry today will eventually be wiped away. Knowing our destination takes a little of the sting out of the pain we feel from the curse of the fall. The curse does not have the last word. Jesus does. And his word is, I am making all things new. We are those whom Jesus is making new. And the question is, do you believe it? Are you waiting for a movie? It's just that simple. You see, God is on film here. And he's trying to draw us in to the words. So if you got your word, let's look at Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21 Starting in verse 1, if you're hard to find that, 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 that book, it's, it's right there at the very end. Just flip straight to the end. You, you know, you got your thesaurus there, but flip back a couple pages, you'll find Revelation. If you need a Bible, there are some in the back. If you got your cell phone out, Bible apps, uh, let's just go for it. Revelation chapter 21, it'll be on the screen behind me, not that one. So here we go. It says, in my Bible, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. It says John, John writes in verse 1 that he saw a new heaven and a new earth. John is describing our world in, in the universe. Uh, he, but he sees it in a rejuvenated way, and a fundamentally it's been transformed. The God who first spoke the word and all the creation into existence is going to make a new world. And it's going to be perfect. It's going to be freed from the bondage of decay of sin. It's going to be in in a new way and fixed in all the ways that human beings and our wickedness have broken in and ruined it. Remember that that moment of Adam and Eve when they they sort of sinned and messed everything up? Think about it this way. You don't have, if we still lived in that perfect, they never took the piece of that fruit. We would, we wouldn't have to buy groceries, y'all. I mean, it's just that simple. I mean, you, you would be walking around. I know you'd be naked. It'd be kind of funny. But it's just one of those moments where we, we would just see everybody with this beautiful, beautiful eyesights that we just look past that. We see the God in them versus looking at the sin in them. Because we have a judgmental mind, don't we? We're quick to judge. In Revelation, the sea, right here at the very ending, it says the sea is a symbol of chaos. And the human, human rebellion and danger, it's out of the sea that the enemies of God arise. It's the sea where the, the wicked nations ply their trade to rule the earth. Where John says the sea was no more, he is saying all the effects of the human sea and treachery and God-hating have been erased. For those of you who want some seaside property, it's just going to be useless in, I mean, in a couple years. I mean, let's be honest with you. If you're looking for that beachfront property... Kentucky's a really good spot to have it because it's all going to be flat. I mean, it's just really good. When we see those amazing sunsets, that's, that's what it's going to look like constantly. Verse 2, it says, I saw the holy city. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Verse 3, it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. 
And he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be with their God. See, in verses 2 and 3, the holy city. Jerusalem represents the people of God dwelling in God's place. So the new Jerusalem described here is the church of Jesus Christ. It's the people of God from every tribe, every nation, and every language. One of the most powerful things that I've ever been a part of is when you go overseas and you go to a different culture, and we have other cultures here, but sometimes we're just too focused on ourselves to go experience it. And it just might be life-altering, by the way. But when you go and you're the, you're the minority, and you go and you worship in, a, in an area, maybe they only speak Spanish, or Russian, or Polish, or Italian. And you go in there and they're singing, how great is our God. And the only thing you can pick out is the tune. It is powerful. It is overwhelming. And it brings you the point of this right here verse. Where every tribe, every nation that follows me will be singing. Caitlin said something about at the very beginning where we're just experiencing what it looks like. Can you imagine what it looks like just to sing that song, Revelation? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty for eternity. With all these other you know, words coming over here from Chinese to, to Mandarin to, to, to Spanish. I mean, literally thousands of different languages just all vocalizing the, they're, and just focusing on one thing. God. God on film. Well, how powerful that is. I was sitting in Atlanta, Georgia for the Passion Movement a couple years ago. And, and, and Chris Tomlin and crew came out and they started singing this song. But they didn't start off. They started off with a, a guy and it's from Brazil. And he was one of the, he's the opera singer of Brazil. And he comes out and I can't do it so that I can't speak Spanish. But it's just, he just comes out and he belts it out, man. And he just, he's coming at it. He just, he's just screaming at the top of his lungs. How great is our God? And all of a sudden... I was just overwhelmed. And then the guy from Russia, the lead singer of a united band there in Russia, the movement with a bunch of teenagers, he comes out and he's starting to sing it simultaneously as the Brazilian guys are singing. And then all of a sudden they got a lady from China who was rescued from, from a slavery thing, a camp, and she comes out and starts singing it. And all of a sudden they brought another person out who starts singing it in Hungarian. And I'm just sitting there going, this is amazing. And then the thing that got me... Was the screens go black and the entire arena just jet black? There's just a barely enough light just to see some things. And they're still kicking it, still singing it. And all of a sudden, you just see eyeballs and teeth. And they had a refugee camp of a bunch of girls who've been basically a bunch of, they entrapped them and forced them to do sexual things. And here they were in their African attire singing how great is our God. All at one time. And when I started reading this this week, I started just to remember that moment. And the guy sitting beside me, he looked at me and said, what's going on? I said, I don't know. I'm just overwhelmed. And I was crying like a baby. Because as I looked down, I saw these, these kids. I saw these people worshiping God. I saw every tribe. I saw every nation 
singing as one. And then, then the Georgia Dome just filled up with 75,000 students just singing how great is our God. It was powerful and it reminded me of the scripture. What it's going to look like. It was powerful. It was beautiful. In the midst of the incredible news, the God who saved us all by grace will dwell among us. He will be with us. This is, is presently a reality for the church, but there is there's a future fulfillment yet that we have experienced yet. We have the Holy Spirit. Yes, that's true. And we have His presence now, but that's only a foretaste of His future glory when He comes and sits down with us. And we start to sing. How great is our God. And verse 4 says this, He will wipe away every tear from the eyes, from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Verse 4 says basically just straightforward. God is, is not only going to make and, and remake the world and eradicate sin, He's going to take away all the lingering effects of sin in our hearts and in our lives. Tears of regret, Tears of guilt, tears of brokenness, brokennesses of promises, tears of loss and separation, tears over what was taken from us, tears of loneliness and secret anguish. Every tear that you have, it's gone. We all have our own stories of how our sin and other people's sin have harmed us. And one day Jesus is going to make it right. The hands that were, were pierced for us so that all of our guilt is gone will one day wipe away the tears that are weeping inside. You see, I know some guys who sit like this and they sit strong. I mean, we sit pretty strong, guys, don't we? We, we? we sort of put our bumpers up like, no, I ain't got no tears. I love my son. This past week, we were, we were watching a movie, and the movie was Home. And if you don't know much about Home, it's about aliens, you know. But it's, it's about this character named O, and he's a boob. And, 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 and at the very end, I ain't going to ruin it for you, but you really think that this one character dies. And I look in the back, and, and my son and all of our kids, I don't know why, we just watch movies a lot, uh, but we know the words, and we sing the words, and he's seen the movie. But I look back, and, and he's got tears running down his eyes. And I, I said, what, what's, on, what's on your face, man? He, he goes, oh, it's spit. <laughs> I said, do what? He goes, I put, I put spit on my face. It's, it's just, I, I know. I said, buddy, don't be ashamed of that. I said, I love this movie, too. And my wife was sitting there, if you don't believe me, she, this did happen. I said, and she turned around, it's okay to cry. He goes, I'm just happy. And that made me start to think, there will not be any more tears. The tears of the, the pain that he felt because he watched oh die will be gone. The tears that you have for a lost one will be gone because you're going to get to experience it with him. There'll be no more tears. There'll be just completely, how great is our God? See, in the end, Jesus wins. 
In the end, Jesus wins. Verse 5, it says, He who was, who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and I am the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit this, and I will be their God. And they will be my children. And here's the big warning. Shout. You want to know what happens in the end? But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexual, immoral. Boy, we could camp out there. And those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and the liars. And I love how it says all the liars. Just saying. It's right there. They will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. And this is the second death. You see, this passage ends with a sobering warning. Those who turn away from Jesus, those who disobey God and reject his rule will die and be sentenced to the lake of fire. Hell is a real place, guys. Jesus spoke about it often because he cared about us. God and all his righteousness and his judgment, all the sin and wickedness will be paid for either by Jesus who died for those who love him and place their faith and trust in him or by those in hell who refuse the simple thing called love. See, but God's mercy and his forgiveness is offered to all of us. His love is free We don't have to earn it. Verse 6 speaks about this free love when it says, To the thirsty I will give the spring of water of life without payment. And John 4, 14, earlier in his days, when John was younger, he records these words from Jesus and it says, But whoever drinks from the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in the spring of water welling up from eternal life. Last, God reveals this. And he says to John in another one of his names, the first and the last, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Here's the question. Is your identity in the end, is it rooted in Christ? Is, it, is there a Christ future for you? Are you trying to, hold, trying to figure out everything? Are you trying to, to, to just, what's next? Are you looking for examples in the Bible to try to match? Oh, it's coming. It's here. It's, are you one of those people? Counting out all the prophecies? Are you simply trusting the one who holds the future? This is not just another song by R.E.M. And this is the end of the world and we know it. It's not. It's so much more. If you follow Christ, then everything is going to be okay in the end. If it's not, then it's not the end. It's just...
He just told an amazing story of a Jesus story. You see, we need to do that, guys. We need to ask the simple question. Yeah, do you go to church? Everybody goes to church, it seems like. But do they know Jesus? It's a great question. See, everybody longs for what God promises in the end of his story. Even those we would consider the farthest from God were created to long for these promises. The problem is, is that apart from grace, none of us are able to seize those promises through our own efforts. We just can't do it. We're not strong enough. We can't carry that cross that way. You're not Jesus. So we try to find satisfaction in things that we can grab onto ourselves. But nothing we can obtain in this life can sustain us. Nothing we can earn satisfies the longing God has placed in us. Only grace, only his love is powerful enough to bind us to the one who can fulfill us. I love how C.S. Lewis said this. He said, if our deepest desires cannot be satisfied in this world, then we must have been made for another world. Guys, there is another world. And it's the one that God himself has created. We don't know the day and time. We don't know where Armageddon is going to come. But the truth of the matter is simple. You got to go through Jesus to get there. You got to go through Jesus to get there. Everybody longs for what is promised in Revelation chapter 21. The only way that it becomes ours if we come thirsty to Christ and drink from the water of life. At the end of the movies, at the end of the cinemas, at the end of every movie that I've ever watched, they are credits. And those credits roll, they just scroll and they continue to roll. My question is, if that movie is our life and it's the, the movie that God has created, is your name in those credits? It's simple. Is your name in those credits? Or are you looking for that little sneak peek for the next movie? Are you looking for that little sequel that comes out later? Are you just holding on for something that's it's, it's, it's the next part two, part three? Because if you are, just maybe you haven't put your full trust in Jesus because he says, don't worry about it. Because in the end, Jesus wins. In the end, Jesus wins. He just wants you to trust and obey because there is no other way. Jesus, we trust you with this. 
We thank you for this. We thank you for this this idea of, of putting our trust and our hope in you, the one who gives freely. God, right now, we just ask for you just to, to move, move in a way that radically sets away some of our tears, allows us to experience you in a way that maybe for the very first time causes us to believe. Lord, right now, I just ask for the Holy Spirit just to awaken some hearts. A lot of us have been looking for that little glimpse, that little sequel, that little movie that's coming out next and just hoping and hoping and hoping for more to be revealed. And maybe the revelation is this. For us this morning, just to trust you. Trust you in a way that just radically sets our heart on fire to tell our Jesus story to those who are desperately looking for hope for those who are just grabbing on to anything and everything that sort of makes sense, sustainable just for a little bit. But the truth of the matter, you place some words of wisdom in a guy who had experienced, honestly, hell. Hell on earth. You place some words of wisdom to reveal your glory. And most importantly, you created something and you're going to end something. And you, and you love this enough in the between to send your son who sets us free. Jesus, in this, this time, we just commit to you and we ask for freedom. Freedom that can only come through you. In your name, amen. And that movie that we watched just a minute ago, those two space shuttles, by the way, I don't know if you caught the name of them, but one of them was called Freedom. And Freedom made it back home. Freedom allowed us to experience life. And today, I pray for your freedom in Christ Jesus, because he can set us free.